Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 706. That's 706. And we're recording it on Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Joining me as usual from Mankato, Minnesota, North Mankato, Minnesota, to be exact, (laughs) Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Hi, Martin. Happy to be joining you. Happy to have you back. We've uh, been missing Martin Spriggs around the office these days. You've been there and back again to Senate Convention. How was that experience? Nice. Um, we were over in Saginaw, Michigan at Michigan Lutheran Seminary. They were a great host. Uh, we had a great group of delegates. Uh, beautiful days there as well. You know, weather cooperated, which is important cool. there. They're a little smaller campus. Uh, then MLC and even Luther Prep, which are the three campuses that we rotate through every two years for Senate Convention. So they have to set up tents outside, and that worked out really well. Um, not a lot of fireworks at this convention. Um, there were some some discussions about uh, studies on critical race theory and those kinds of things, but by and large, everybody was of one mind, and I think uh, good business was conducted. And it's always good to... Uh, uh, to talk to Wells Tech listeners, met a few there, and uh, talk technology with a lot of different people. So it's a good time. Very nice. And tech at Senate Convention went smoothly for you? For That's an interesting question. Yeah, we were challenged a little bit by the infrastructure. Wi-Fi was a little shaky once in a while. But we uh, implemented, for the first time at Senate Convention, e-voting. We used a product called eBallot. Uh, eballot.com if you're interested. And that is uh, that performed pretty well. I learned a few things along the way because I couldn't really test it with 400 voters. Um, but uh, it was very easy to set up and uh, feel pretty comfortable with it at this point. But uh, And fairly inexpensive. So if you're holding a conference or even if you want electronic voting of any kind, whether it's a disparate group, I guess you could do voters meetings this way too. Um it actually works pretty well. It's easy to get an account and import users and give them passwords, that kind of stuff. Uh, Works well on mobile devices as well. So that part uh, went real well. We re-elected successfully, uh, President Schrader. And um, who did we uh, uh, Pastor Voss, Mm -hmm. Uh second vice president. Um, and then all the normal elections that we do for boards and committees and those kinds of things. So that was a, actually a, a neat experience to, to implement that. I'm sure that elections committee was really wishing they had Scantron ballots instead. <laughs> Backups, yes. <laughs> it seems to me that there were that I remember handing out slips of paper at a convention a long time ago. So it's been yep. done a lot of ways and electronically, I'm sure 
was very preferred. So there's did you probably break no a going sweat, back Martin? at this point. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I wondered because you don't normally, but that no, had to be kind of a hold your breath moment. That first. Yeah, and I vote. was really kind of the only tech support there. So for uh, you know one to four hundred ratio, that's a little dicey. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it was well. all it was all good, and I think people were understanding of of some of the challenges that uh, doing that uh, creates. But that's that's fine. So. But it, awesome. it was it was a good experience. So that's great. Congratulations. But, what have you uh, been up to lately? Um, well, it's been a good month or so, and I'm just working hard on physical therapy. Sally's uh, relearning to walk, so that's my thing. And then I have a special pick of the week, but I'm not going to tip my hat yet on that. Okay. That's been the the fun side of things around here. Yeah, and my pick of the week comes from my recent vacation. So awesome. Uh, like Good nice summer teasers stuff. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a lighter version of Wells Tech. Maybe we'd call it Wells Tech Light. Uh, over the summer, we uh, this summer are taking a little time to go through a book review, Tech Like a Pirate by Matt Miller. And uh, we are up to chapters seven and eight. And um, more good stuff to talk about. Uh, we've had some... I think some great conversations about some super practical resources. And I think that's one of the strengths of this book is the associated website that gives all kinds of examples and links and relevant to today as technology moves quickly uh, for a paper book, but to have that kind of uh, associated resource, super helpful. Definitely. Um, so today we're doing chapter seven and eight. Uh, so I'll kind of kick things off with chapter seven. It's titled Charting the Course to a Learning Expedition. And I think if I were to summarize this chapter, it would be break down those classroom walls because you don't have to be bound <laughs> by the four mm -hmm. walls you're enclosed in anymore. It's such a big world out there and you can connect and explore in really creative ways. Um, so expedition, exploring is kind of the focus of this. And there are three types of explorers that he outlined in the chapter. Um, first off, the one I'm kind of referring to of um, exploring the world is the geographical explorer. And uh, the number one tool of choice is Google um, in that space because Google has maps, but they also have treks and Google Earth and tour building and projects. The list kind of goes on and on. They have this really cool mapping tool and you can use it in so many ways. Martin, I wasn't familiar with treks and I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole. I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, I wasn't familiar with it either, but I didn't get a chance to look at it like you did. What, yeah. do, what do you think? Um, it's really amazing. So I actually, um, you can go to all these different places and it's like a personal um, viewpoint um, at the places. I went to Yosemite to El Capitan and watched these people climb this mountain. It was pretty cool. And, um, you know, there's like some expert climbers and um, you can just see it from their point of view. You can go to all these different places along the mountain and see where they are and how high up they are and click on that particular place and see what the view is like from there and 
um, it gets kind of scary as they get closer to the mm-hmm. top. But um, they slept on the mountain. You can see how they slept on a little bitty kind of rock ledge like you're seeing um, in this view and stuff. And um, when you start, you can see all these distant places, you know, from the ground level. And then as you climb, you can just enjoy this perspective that they get as they go up. Not that I would be looking over this direction if I were climbing this mountain, but um, but yeah, it's really impressive tool. And um, obviously, El Capitan is not the only thing you can do in Google Tracks. You can do a lot of different locations. Um, just um, really fun to explore, and and that personal viewpoint um, can't be beat. It's like you're standing there with them. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And One and thing. you know. You can interact with them as well. There's, you know, narrative along with it. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. I was surprised at the number of tools that Google, Google provides or, uh, kind of tools that have been created around Google tools, even just using Google tools. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a great video we're going to embed in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about that, this uh, their creation tools and things, they give you an overview of that. I know I went on a trip recently with um, Martin Luther College Alumni Association, and it was all mapped out for us what days and times we were going to be and descriptions of the places we were visiting and what kind of clothes we should wear and all kinds of things like that, that um, Steve Balza had taken the time to put into a uh, a project for us. And it's, it's really useful. Um, And I can imagine in the classroom as you're exploring places, it would be really wonderful to set up those points of interest and stuff. One, and one kind of uh, eye-opening moment for me, it's not super significant, but kind of a nice tip. He, He talks about trying to marry the classroom experience, the analog experience with the virtual experience. So, uh, make it extra fun and memorable with a few adjustments. He says, change the lighting in your room to match the location you're studying. You know, maybe decorate uh, appropriately. Uh, he talks about uh, you know a French bistro uh, setting if you're visiting Paris or something like that, and uh, just kind of accent the room to give that flavor. So it doesn't have to all be digital. There can be kind of an analog flavor as well. It's kind of bringing bringing the virtual and the the analog together. Kind of neat. Definitely. All right. Uh, again, three types of explorers. We talked about geographical. The second one he mentioned was informational. So just uh, researching things and mm-hmm. learning more about them. And I loved his first um, go-to place. That's the library and those talented uh, librarians who are excellent at research and not forgetting to tap into them and um, you know, allow them to assist and answer questions and uh, guide you as well. Um, one website that he mentioned was Wonderopolis, which is a very kid-friendly environment for doing research. Like, why do some animals have nicknames? Or uh, what are pink winks? Or uh, do you use any unique animal nicknames where you live? And so just examples of ways that you can kind of start exploring and uh, discovering different areas of the country or whatever it may be. This is wonderopolis.org. Nice. Yeah. Um, one thing he talked about uh, in this section, which I thought was probably worth highlighting, is the importance of media literacy understanding sources, what are good sources, credible sources, 
what are more questionable sources, how to kind of get to the bottom of the credibility. Um, you talked about common sense media and some of the literary re- literary resources there or literacy resources there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something to keep in the back of your mind as you're going into some of these places uh, or uh, taking uh, taking some of these and putting them in your classroom. You have to help the kids understand that the everything on the internet isn't necessarily fair game or true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gave some great examples of this extending an advanced Spanish class where mm-hmm. um, the students got to explore things they were personally interested in. One student created guitar lessons in Spanish and another did a workout guide, um, but all in Spanish. And so, yep. you know, not not restricting them, but allowing them to explore specific things that they're interested in, but also keeping the Spanish aspect in the, in the work. And so great example there. Yep. And then the last type of explorer in this chapter was virtual exploring, and this would be virtual reality, augmented reality, that kind of thing. We've talked a lot about that on the show, Martin. There was a whole conference on it um, by our friends at Christ in Media um, a year or two ago. I think maybe that was last year. Um, And I loved his quote in this section of the book. He said, this part of the book is the most likely to go out of date quickly. Um, very true. I even had time, had trouble finding links to things that were pretty up to date in terms of virtual reality and augmented reality. I did find something that you might like, Martin, a Wakelet that looks pretty robust on the topics. So if you're into using Wakelets or if you want to look for uh, resources around virtual and augmented reality, um, this Wakelet might be the place to go. And we'll definitely include a link in the show notes to this um, virtual reality Wakelet that someone's compiled. Yep, or compiling, and that's kind of the beauty of these resources that they can be added to, modified as as things Mm -hmm. change. And this obviously is an area that is changing pretty rapidly. And I would think education is going to be one of those landscapes that will look totally different, you know, six to 12 months from now in this space than uh, than before. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to keep on top of. Definitely. So that was Chapter 7. Chapter eight goes into learning with new friends around the world. So again, kind of two aspects to this. And one of them is breaking down those classroom walls and connecting with people in other locations. And then the obvious one is learning with or collaborating where you're working together, but from a distance. And so think of all the things the students are learning as they're having these experiences. Uh, The chapter kicked off with a story about two girls who grew up next door to each other and always said that they would be teachers and teach together and that kind of thing. Raise their kids together. Exactly. Um, They ended up both being teachers as adults, but one was in Arizona where home was, and one had moved to Michigan. And so not exactly next door to each other anymore. Um, But they both taught fifth grade, and they decided to use um, some video conferencing software, maybe – Something like Google. It was Google Meet, yeah. Meet. Google Hangouts. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Hangouts. I'm so yesterday. But anyway, um, yeah, to connect the two classrooms. And uh, it went really well. The kids were excited to collaborate with the classroom, uh, you know, kind of on the opposite side of the country from them. And then uh, the one lady from Michigan went home for Christmas break and popped into the Arizona classroom when they were having the video conferencing with a substitute in her classroom in Michigan. 
And so her kids in Michigan were just freaked out because mm -hmm. there she was in this other place that they had been video conferencing with. I thought it was a really neat story and it a is. great way to to make those kind of connections. Yeah. He talks again about uh, try, refine, repeat, this iterative process of trying to uh, try new things and you know, tweak what doesn't work and uh, enhance what does and, and go through that process. And this would be an area where you're going to have some failures, but I think, you know, having like he says, a good partner and a good plan is, is certainly uh, going to help you. And he talks about the price being right here. This is mm -hmm. uh, this is a really inexpensive way to to expand that classroom and bring some some nice uh, outside influences into the classroom and and broaden the kids' horizons. Right. You definitely can use video conferencing software for free. Um, you know, obviously the G Suite is a great place to collaborate. Mm -hmm. You can see each other's cursors and docs and all kinds of things like that. It's a pretty cool experience, actually. And then just having a place to kind of pull it all together, like a Google Classroom or maybe your learning management system that that everyone can get logged into easily. So um, very low uh, cost effort. And you know, the basics of it are connect and maybe read a story together or do some kind of things together where you're um, connecting the children with from the different classrooms and in a location. Um, obviously important to find the right partner to do that with. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of sites out on the web that help you connect um, with other classrooms and things like that. But then once you do that, maybe taking it to another level and that's where the creativity comes in. You know, the, diff the, the resources to use, but maybe you set it up as a mystery Skype where they have to figure out what part of the country these other students are from. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I had not heard of that, but that is a great idea just to kind of schedule something with some location that you don't tell the kids where it is and they've got to figure out who they're talking to and where those kids are based on conversation and questions. Exactly. You know, have them act out a drama for each other, do something like a long distance Kahoot. You know, I mean, there's so many creative ways that you could connect. And, you know, kind of an underlying theme of both of these chapters is that when the kids have a strong emotional response to a learning experience, it sticks in their memory. You know, they're going to remember you know, their friends from Michigan and that experience they had as fifth graders, you know, for quite a while. And it's going to, um, you know, tie back to the things that they were learning at that time. One uh, really fun collaboration experience I enjoyed hearing about was doing a doing a story together, but then having the students pair up and write a different ending to the story. And uh, just a good example, Martin, I think you mentioned his website is just amazing, uh, the Ditch That Textbook website, but he has a page dedicated to uh, one story, many endings, and uh, using Google Slides to do that. And so um, you can actually get his slide deck as an example and you know, it has different um, planning documents and things like that in it. So definitely check out the Ditch That Textbook website. Yep. One thing I was thinking of as I read this chapter is the classroom technology for this to go well needs to be pretty good. So you need a, a big enough screen and audio uh, capturing, you know, the, the microphone and speaker situation needs to be uh, not just, you know, something that you're throwing a, a laptop in front of the classroom with. You've got to, I think, 
approach that with some care, get some good microphones that work so that the kids can speak to each other and hear each other um, effectively. Um, don't don't chintz out on that piece of it because that's going to be part of the experience too. And likely you're going to have that moment where you sweat like Martin did at Senate <laughs> yes, Convention right. when they first voted. <laughs> yeah, you should have okay. a plan B, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and try, try again. So yep, iterative, exactly. you know, little yep, steps yep. forward. Okay. Anything else about chapter eight you want to talk about, Sally? I think we're good to go. Um, and and nearing the end of the book. So one more um, episode of Wells Tech focused on chapter nine and kind of wrapping things up. Yeah. And we'll have a little interview. We'll tease that a little bit to who, a person who did a paper on the book and we'll talk to him about uh, what his findings were. Mm-hmm. All right, Sally, I think we can move on to our picks of the week. Okay, well, I just need to preface this pick. Um, Martin and I, over time, have picked hardware. I would say the ratio has been a little bit tilted toward Martin Spriggs having Mm -hmm. a lot of shiny electronic things. That's fun. Um, But I say this is the trump card that I've brought to the table, the ultimate. And that is my newest shiny electronic thing. Let me just share my screen quick. I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) The Draper household now has a laser engraver slash cutting machine. And um, man, have I been smelling a lot of burnt wood lately (laughs) because I've been doing some engraving. Really exciting. So this is computer driven. Um, I'm using a lot of SVG vector type files and I'm burning all kinds of stuff. I've done wood and cork and even the front of a leather notebook. So the sky's the limit with me now. I have a laser in home, uh, something we've kind of dreamed about for a while and just something to use to put llamas on way more. I was going to say, there's going to be some burning llamas someplace. There definitely story. are. <laughs> yeah. So um, why a laser machine? Well, it's kind of a next step for us. My husband's into woodworking and has a CNC machine, which is a computer-driven carving machine with a blade. Um, this uses obviously a very high potent laser. And uh, that means that you have to be extremely careful and not burn down your house and not mm-hmm. uh, subject your eyes to the laser beam or anything like that. So um, we're learning. It's definitely got a learning curve to it, but um, expecting that we'll be able to enjoy it for quite some time. So far, so good. Oh, and the coolest thing, they have this boring uh, gray version of it, which is gray-blue kind of standard colors. But instead, I got the red-gold version, um, as in Iron Man colors. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Who would have thought that laser cutters would come in red and gold? Not gray. So, so, so whose is this? This is, this is Sally's or Kevin's? <laughs> Kevin's busy right now. He's doing some home remodeling. So uh-huh. Sally gets to learn it first, but it'll be Kevin's. Yeah. Nice. Sally will just and, encourage him with it. And how big a material can you work with? Uh, it's a 15 by 17 cutting bed, but actually okay. it has the ability to switch out the side rails and make it double that width. So you can do oh. up to 36 inches. Um, and so that's our plan is to enhance it and make it quite a bit larger. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. That is it's that is a showstopper cool right there. Comes with a rotary turning thing. So you can do things like Christmas balls and um yeti mugs and all kinds of things like that as well so Mm -hmm. i haven't tried that yet but stay tuned 
Nice. Yeah, my That's my pick good. is going to pale in comparison, but I like it anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, my pick of the week actually came from our vacation. We were out in Colorado and Utah uh, about a month ago camping. So we take our camper out there. And in Utah, southeast Utah, um, we camped in a designated dark sky area. If you go to darksky.org, you can read all about what dark sky areas are. But uh, a dark sky area is a place where there is an absence of ambient light. So you're far away from cities and um, you're in a place where the atmosphere and your elevation combine to have just a spectacular view of the stars in the sky. Not just stars, but you can see satellites going across the sky, comets, you know, all those things. Um, and it was uh, one of our first experiences, just kind of sitting at a campsite. And we even just got away a little bit from the campfire, sat in the road. There was nobody uh, uh, coming along. And we just looked at the stars, you know, two, three nights in a row. Um, one nice thing, and you can see all the stars, planets, uh, Milky Way, all that stuff. But one app uh, that we used, and there are a bunch of apps, uh, was a stargazing app called Night Sky. And I'll put a link. My pick is really an, an article on space.com about the best stargazing apps that are out there. Night Sky is listed in there. But if you have an Android phone or something else, it, it lists all kinds of stuff there. But basically what the app does is you point it at the sky and it tells you exactly what you're looking for Hey, this is, or what you're looking at. This is a such and such constellation. This is Venus. This is Mars. Um, this is uh, a, a Starlink scat satellite. Um, this is uh, you know a Direct TV satellite. All those things are listed there, and it's amazing what you can see. And it's super. It makes it super interesting as well if you can look in the sky and know uh, you know know what you're looking at. And these these tools like Night Sky have all kinds of filters, so you can filter it down to to just planets or just constellations, or um, you can uh, remember things and get reminded when something is over the horizon now that you can now see it. Um, it, it tells you what nights might be best, uh, depending on where the moon is, because that's going to uh, affect what you can see in the sky. Um, just all kinds of cool things that you can do with this app. Um, there is a free version. There's usually a paid version where you get a few more features, but uh, the free version was was awesome. We used it uh, each night uh, to help us look at uh, or to help us understand what we were looking at. So that's my pick, kind of just stargazing apps in general. And there are places in the Midwest that uh, are better than others. They're not quite the same as kind of going to a, a dark sky area. But if you go to darksky.org, you can actually find areas that are usually northern Wisconsin if you're a Wisconsinite. But we have listeners from you know, all across the world and uh uh, this site can help you find those areas too. So pretty cool. That was uh, one of the highlights of our vacation. So did you identify constellations? Were there some that were more prominent? Or um, It depended on the night, but yeah, I mean, we we saw most of them uh, depending wow. on on, the, on that time of year, but uh, but it was pretty cool. And I'm not, I've not been a big telescope, you know, look in the sky kind of guy, but this was, this was kind of a new ball game. Sure. That you could see most everything with your bare, with the bare eyes that God gave you. Pretty amazing. It is. Yep. Yeah. All I, right. I would say stargazing maybe trumps all hardware picks. How about that? Yeah. 
God made <laughs> That's it. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to community news and feedback. Well, we have a couple of things to mention. Earlier this summer, we talked about MLC hosting a virtual open learning conference, and uh, they have put out recordings and resources from all the sessions that were a part of that conference back in June. Uh, so if you're interested specifically in AI, they had three different presenters on the first day. Um, what is AI? How is it changing the face of education? How can it transform teacher productivity and transform student assessment? And then the the second day was more um, a kind of a variety of topics. Sex and math is no longer publishing. Now, what do we do? How do you empower parents as family spiritual leaders? Uh, Martin, I recognize this Wells Tech friendly uh, person, Brad Gurgle, presented on empowering mm -hmm. parents as family spiritual leaders. That's an awesome topic that he knows a lot about. Um, and then how do you make the most of every opportunity when the days are so varied, evil, good, confusing, wonderful, and frustrating. So lots of good uh, resources shared here. It looks like you can get clock hours still. Um, but one note is that the recordings and resources are only available through August 27th. So if you're interested in open learning uh, from MLC, uh, you need to get out to that website and grab those presentations and resources so uh, you can make use of that. Very nice. And then just a question that we'll pose to our listening audience today uh, from Sarah Schilling. Sarah, Sarah wrote and said, are you aware of any resources or research on pros and cons and impacts of LCD exterior church signs? We're currently reviewing options for replacing our church sign at our ELS congregation and researching the value of LCD versus traditional signage. And boy, she asked a great question, and I've got nothing to offer. I wonder if anyone who's listening today can uh, contact us or share with us information. If you've gone down that path, even if you chose not to do it, but if you looked into LCD and, and weighed the pros and cons, I think that would be great if we could share that with our listening audience, and Sarah in particular. That'd be interesting, yeah. And uh, maybe even on top of that, if you have uh, purchased an LCD, how are you using it? Maybe some innovative ways and things that you're, that you're sharing with the community that you found to be helpful or useful in, in your outreach or, or in reach. So definitely very nice. If you want to ask a question or contribute to the show, go to wellstech.wells.net. That is our show notes page. You'll not only find all of our episodes there, all the way back to episode number one, uh, <laughs> and all the show notes that Sally dutifully and uh, devotedly keeps up to date, um, you can also leave us a message there or find all our social networks where we, uh, we, we keep an ear to. Or send us an email, wellstech at wells.net. And we will uh, share that if you uh, let us do that. And uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. So please do that. Sally, I think that is going to be a wrap for episode, what did I say? 706. Maybe I would close with maybe a subtitle to all, probably all of our Wells Tech activities. That's that African proverb that was in the book that we were reading. Uh, we we didn't talk about that, but I highlighted it here. African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It's the way we Good do advice. it on Wells Tech. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.